You might have noticed a few bleary-eyed students donned in orange t-shirts in the business building last week. They might have come to your class asking for donations for youth homelessness. You might have also noticed several sleeping bags lined up neatly beside the tall evergreens of Art Squad. Well, for five nights last week, March 9th to the 13th, seven business students spent their nights outside, foregoing shelter, omitting luxuries from their lives like cell phones or showers, and relied completely on donations for food, all the while attending class. This in the name of raising awareness about youth homelessness in our city and raising money for YES, Youth Empowerment and Support Services, a city organization that provides shelter for youth on the streets. And the money they were attempting to raise was not chump change. So my name is Kira Kazveller. I am the Public Relations Director for the Five Days for the Homeless campaign on the University of Alberta campus. Our goal this year is actually $50,000, which is more than any group on the Alberta campus has ever raised for charity in history. So it's a pretty big, ambitious goal, but I definitely think we can do it. While this could have been a relatively straightforward story about a group of highly competent, although sleep-deprived, business students who enthusiastically raised an enormous amount of money in a short period of time for an excellent cause. But here at CJSR, we tend to do things a little differently. Or at least try to. I started thinking about what made this particular event so successful. I mean, the University of Alberta is home to a number of student fundraising efforts. And at any given time on campus, there seems to be a variety of different bake sales, barbecues, popcorn machines wafting delicious buttery smells throughout the halls. My name is Roshni Nair. Join me for the next half hour as I try to pull back the curtains and delve into the psychology of charity. Maybe it's the idealism and energy of our youth that lead us to save the world one bake sale at a time. But fundraising on a limited student budget also affords the opportunity for creative campaigns. For example, you might have heard recently about a high school in Chicago that played Justin Bieber's Baby over and over again on their school intercom, forcing people to donate until they had raised $1,000 for a struggling cafe art center down the street from the school. The campaign started on Monday and promptly ended on Wednesday when seniors Charlotte Runzel and Jesse Schatz had irritated their classmates enough to donate $1,000 to stop the Bieber. Five Days for the Homeless started right here at the University of Alberta in 2005 by a group of business students. The first campaign was a little grassroots affair, sleep outside without any gear for five nights. 
It was a little bigger than a dare, but it highlighted youth homelessness. In the first year, Five Days raised $2,000, and the annual campaign grew every year, adding corporate sponsors, more money. And in 2008, other campuses across Canada started to participate in a national campaign. This year, over 22 campuses are participating in Five Days for the Homeless. One tiny little stunt to a national campaign. How? So I think there are reasons that are pretty straightforward, like sort of common sense reasons. I mean, and 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 real reasons um, that I, I think come to mind. So, for one thing, these kind of you said stunts, for example. Um, I think that they, you know, by nature of being kind of stunt-like, they attract more attention, which is which is good for the cause, good for getting attention. So to the cause, uh, as something worth thinking about contributing to, and then also for the people raising the money, uh, perhaps it helps them raise more money if, if they're getting more attention, right? That was Professor Christopher Olivola from Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. He studies the decision-making behind fundraising. 
I asked him why something like five days would be compelling. And you know, that's the thing with charitable giving, like anything else. Uh, people have limited time, attention, and, and money to give, and so it's gotten so competitive, right, that, that charities have to um, duke it out to try to, to, to you know, convince people to give the money to them rather than the charity itself. So that, that's one way of doing it. So I think one thing, yeah, is attention. I think another thing it does is um, signal, for these the stunts that involve this kind of challenging, difficult uh, type of activities, um, you know, it, it signals, because they're willing to do this, it signals um, uh, their interest uh, in the cause, right? So, you know, you can be you know, more certain that they care about this cause if, if, if they're spending five days out, especially this time of year. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but, the, but yeah, I mean, I think those are the two kind of common sense ones. But the other one that, um, that, that I focused on is this kind of psychological phenomenon we call the martyrdom effect. Um, that's a name we came up with, so it's not like, I don't know, it's not some kind of universal law. It's just a tendency that we, we observe. And what we find, and we find this in studies, experiments we've done, is that people uh, will contribute more to a charitable cause when either they themselves or their friend is going to suffer to raise money. So if, if people, when we find our experiments that people will, their willingness to donate is greater if they have to do something painful, like run a marathon or bike across the desert to raise money for a cause, than if they can raise the same money for the same cause doing something that's easy and enjoyable, like going to a picnic. Um, and we also find that they're willing to donate more to sponsor their friend if she's going to do something difficult to raise money than if she's, again, asking for the same, you know, donation to the same cause, but not going to suffer, right? So people seem to have this, they seem to, yeah, the willingness to donate is greater when either they, that their donations are associated with some kind of self-sacrifice or, or sacrifice or suffering, either on their part or their... So, and, and, and what we critically, what we show is that you get this phenomenon, this effect, even when you control for these other things that I mentioned, like signaling. To review, the martyrdom effect is when people contribute more to a charitable cause when they have to undergo or see a friend undergoing suffering or self-sacrifice in order to raise money. In fact, my first encounter with Five Days was in Montreal in 2011, when I spotted a friend of mine, let's call her Carrie, on Sherbrooke Street at the Roddick Gates of McGill University. She was completely disheveled and miserable on a cold, slushy day with a bright orange t-shirt on top of her parka, asking for change in an ice cream bucket. Now normally, Carrie was a heels and updo kind of lady, so this was rather startling. I felt sorry for her and tossed whatever change I had, probably a toonie, into her bucket. And those toonies certainly added up. Since 2005, the National Five Days for the Homeless campaign has raised $1.2 million. Maybe it's not all that surprising. After all, the Five Days campaign is run exclusively by business students, and the thing they're good at is raising capital. Our 
total right now we're at 36,000. Um, we actually just uh, finished counting and I think we're just over 41,000 right now. So getting close to our um, goal. Right now we're at $44,000 and we're trying to get to $45,000. The last time we checked is at 55,000. Wow, so you beat 50 grand. Yeah, we did. We're really happy about it. And the national total this year was $191,000. Not too shabby. Uh, my name's Kyle Kuzik. I'm with Five Days for the Homeless. And what day are we on right now? We are on day number three, I think. Yeah, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, well, Wednesday, fourth day. It's been three nights, so. Okay. Do you think that this campaign would be the same if it was like a giant bake sale or something? Not at all. Okay. Um, giant bake sales are great because I love baking and I love food. Um, but you know what? It's, it's about the youth and it's about kind of just wrapping your mind around a little bit of what they go through. And, um, and people see us out here and they wonder, what the heck are you guys doing and stuff? And it, people re can relate to that and it helps us relate to the youth a little bit more. Mm, Kyle was right. A bake sale would feel somewhat inappropriate. The type of fundraiser has to correlate somehow to the cause. Once again, Christopher Olivola of Carnegie Mellon University. Another thing that's going on that's related to this is we also find some evidence of this kind of congruity or congruence, sorry, between the type of cause and the type of fundraiser. So we get this martyrdom effect that is people giving more when they have to suffer or their friends can suffer when the cause involves human suffering. So people are going to give more uh, to like spend five days out in the cold uh, to raise money and awareness for homelessness, then they will if these same people were going to have like a nice dinner in a warm setting. Um, but you won't get this if they're raising money for like the orchestra. Right? So they're going to spend five days out in the cold to raise money for the orchestra. People are just going to be like, well, that's crazy. That's just, I, don't, I don't see the point. So there is some kind of congruity of like, you know, experiencing something similar to what the, 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 the victims or the people you're trying to help. The cause affects the fundraising. This is probably why you don't see the girl guides, for example, going on hunger strikes to raise money. And by the way, if you're wondering, those cookies raise about $400 million in the United States every year. If they were receiving massages in the same area, like uh, where are they set up? Are they uh, set up? Right outside the business building. Okay, so if, if they had set up like a massage booth outside the business building, and it was like, you know, we're getting massages, will you sponsor <laughs> our massages to raise money for that? And you, you know, I'll tell you something, you laugh. Yeah. And it, it, it's comical, like massages for the homeless, that's just absurd. It just sounds completely wrong. But actually from speaking of the business school, Right. One of the dominant theories in, in, in business and, and many areas of social sciences is the sort of economic theory of rational choice. And the standard economic theory, the fact that people are choosing to suffer, to raise money, makes no sense. Right? Because again, if, if, if running marathons cured cancer or stopped wars or, or, or solved uh, malnutrition, 
Sure, but it does. Neither does spending the night outside doesn't solve homelessness by itself. Um, so the fact that people were like, you know, from a standard economic point of view, if you care about your friend, you should prefer that she's getting a massage to raise. If she's going to raise the same money, so, so the same benefits are going to happen. Why not have her benefit and the, the the homeless, right? But no, no. It seems people are like, no, no, that's not okay. It's only okay to give money if she's going to suffer or if I'm going to suffer, right? And and intuitively, it seems right at first. But if you stop and think about it, there's something kind of comical about this, right? Yeah. So choosing to suffer is completely illogical from a rational choice perspective. But that suffering, that self-sacrifice, deserves a closer examination to understand the psychology of what this deprivation meant. I decided to ask someone undergoing a serious self-inflicted deprivation. CGSR News Director Matt Hergy. Yeah, so I don't know what it was... Uh, what kind of resolution this was based around, uh, whether it be Lent or just self-improvement of some sort, but I've decided to give up coffee for, for a month and a bit. Right. And why? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I started to realize a couple years ago, I guess, that I was just, uh, using coffee as a bit of a crutch. Right. I was just drinking coffee because I, I, I fidget, I guess. I don't know. So I just felt like I should knock back some coffee. And then and a little while ago, I started cutting coffee with decaf coffee um, because I thought, like, well, if I'm, just, if I'm just doing this to drink coffee, then I should at least not be so horrible on my body and consume massive amounts of caffeine. So I started cutting my coffee, and then I just realized a little while ago that, oh, I wonder how I would feel if I just cut out coffee altogether. Right. But is your intention, after the month and a bit, to start drinking coffee again? Yeah, for sure, because I love it. Okay, so it's like this time-sensitive deprivation. Yeah, it's self-inflicted deprivation, for sure. And um, I can't remember the exact wording that you used, but I think you said self-improvement. I would say it's a little sadistic. Okay. <laughs> I think in most societies, it's hard, I can't, I, it's hard for me to, I can't think of a single society that I've come across where, like, if you look at their, um, their heroes, sort of, in the classic texts or day-to-day -day are often people who've, you know, endure some kind of, you know, difficult, challenging period or something in order to bring about, you know. So you look at, like, religion, for example, you know, um, you know, Jesus spent some time in the desert, he was crucified, Buddha gave up this, like, really nice, comfy, wealthy life, right, in order to reach enlightenment. Um, you look at, I mean, across all these religions and all these, like, heroism, you have this idea of, like, the, 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 the sort of model person, the, the hero is being someone who sacrifices themselves. And that's given a great amount of admiration. So I, I to the point where I, I really, I, I don't know of any cultures, societies where hero, this kind of self-sacrifice heroism isn't given 
value for its own sake, like not independently of what it brings about, like just people admire people who, those who sacrifice something. Yeah. Um, independently of, of, you know, how positive their, their efforts are. And just a way of, of kind of building that self-control muscle, right? So I think there's that element to it too. Um, another benefit is that after those 40 days, coffee is probably going to taste really good. Yeah, I think what it is is, for some people, I think the idea is that um, by living without, mm-hmm. you gain a, a better appreciation for uh, those people who uh, can't have. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess that's... But does coffee actually, like, is anybody living without coffee? Does anybody, does anybody really want, really would love a cup of coffee and just can't have it? Well, I think that's why it's interesting because um, it allows you to self-define what the most important thing is that you can't live without but is also kind of convenient, right? And maybe, maybe one of the benefits knows of these business students doing this is they'll come to appreciate how difficult homelessness is, how much of an issue it is, but also how much they're lucky to have uh, the comfort or security of a home that they can go to, right? My name is Kyle Goff. Uh, I'm the Edmonton local chair for this year's Five Days for the Homeless campaign. And what day are we on today? And this is our final day. Yeah, and so the sleeping part of it, it was an interesting interesting aspect to it. And it definitely made the campaign unique. And it also did give us an understanding of what it's like to be in that situation. Because when we would have to go to classes and do all the work in the day that we would normally do on top of the campaign, and we were all exhausted and obviously smelled bad and, and couldn't really sit next to some of our friends because they were like, oh my gosh, you smell terrible. Like, to know that, that just that point of exhaustion that a lot of people that live on the streets probably feel on a day-to-day basis and we only deal with it for five days but there's those kids that were out there last week you know in the minus 30 minus 40 and they're sleeping out there and then had to deal with that the next day as they went about their stuff that was very eye-opening for all of us I think but being able to give up to choose when precisely to be homeless is a privilege too Okay, my name is Ilham Jawaji. I'm in second year of university, and I'm the marketing and media director of Five Days for the Homeless. How about um, you personally? How has this experience changed your, uh, I guess, understanding of youth homelessness? It's been a very eye-opening experience because even going into um, in, into my position, I knew like about youth homelessness, I knew I wanted to help, but actually going to YES and interacting with actual youth at risk, that's very much um, changed my perspective. And how about sleeping outside? Uh, definitely changed my perspective, especially knowing that we had such good weather this week. It really makes me grateful that I'm able to choose, that I was able to have this week, and then we weren't outside last week. The homelessness of five days is public quite unlike the real student homelessness on the University of Alberta campus. They're the ones couch surfing at their friends' homes, moving place to place, all the while attending high school or university. They're the students pulling an all-nighter in sub, which is open 24 hours a day. No big deal, except this particular all-nighter stretches over weeks, months. Or that graduate student, 
that has just enough money to cover tuition, but quietly uses their office space as their home, staying way past study hours because they have no other option. How does a group of very privileged business students undergoing momentary hardship for a good cause compare to youth actually struggling on the streets? It, it's so different for us than it is for homeless youth. And it, it's more so of a demonstration as, um, like, we're, we're trying to empathize, but it, it's hard to because we're still accepted everywhere. And no one turns a blind eye to us. Um, we kind of stand out and people are interested in what we're doing and stuff, which is, the, which is great because then we can share the message with them. Um, so we, gotta, we, we try and use it as a tool. Um, It'd be nice if we could really empathize more so with the homeless youth, but um, right now I feel like it's more of a tool um, to kind of allow us to open up those conversations with people and get the message out there that this is a problem in our city and this is a problem we can address quite, um, not simply, but that should be addressed and we can do it together. And I think a lot of people, and myself included at first, share that intuition that like, if they're not there, uh, hanging out, like, uh, and, you know, talking to, working with, or helping homeless people directly, then it's kind of very superficial. But, but it depends if you frame the morality in terms of the means, yeah. how they're doing it, or the ends, what they're achieving. And my, as, as my view is that there should be more focus on what they're achieving, so the, the, the consequences are. Are they helping as many people as they can in the best way possible? And that for me, that matters more than how they're doing it. And yes, could certainly use the money. The youth empowerment and support services faced severe funding cuts in the past year. The over 55 grand raised by five days for the homeless is definitely going to help them. But I think it's a, it's a very basic human tendency for whatever reason, it's what I'm trying to study is we we tend to evaluate, we tend to focus a lot on the means and, and self-sacrifice is something we give a lot of um, value to. Students lead busy lives, and yet the plethora of fundraising efforts that students undertake on campus all the money raised, all the countless hours students donate to various causes and charities, all that popcorn distributed and eaten <laughs> is impressive. As for five days, finding sponsors, organizing an aggressive media and fundraising strategy is pretty time consuming. I mean, it takes a lot of effort to pretend to be homeless and being real homeless trying to find a place to live while managing a full course load, finding food, working a part-time job, that's a lot of effort, too. Five days punctures our own bubble of privilege, makes us question what our own lives would be like without shelter. For staging a thought-provoking public demonstration and running a highly successful fundraising campaign, I think these students should be commended. And for all you other fundraising campaigns out there on the U Alberta campus, try adding a little self-sacrifice if it ties in with your cause. 
it might do wonders. Thank you and congratulations to the participants of Five Days for the Homeless. For more information, check out 5days.ca. Thanks to Professor Christopher Alavola from the Tupper School of Business at Carnegie Mellon University for his insight on the science of charity. And finally, thank you to Matt Hergy, the CGSR News Director, for allowing me to pick his brain about self-sacrifice. For CGSR News, I'm Roshni Nair.